and welcome back to our podcast for the love of books. The book that we are reading right now is called Looking Like the Enemy, and this is about a Japanese family that, due to the events of World War II, were pushed to internment camps. Um, just a basic introduction about how they used to live before all this happened is they, uh, the whole family operated and worked on a farm. And they, when they were working on this farm, they did all the chores all season. And when, and it was, they didn't complain about it. It was just something they incorporated into their daily, day life, um, day by day life. Uh, they also were trying to have some American customs while keeping Japanese heritage. For example, they all went to school. They did Sunday church, but they still had Japanese Saturdays, and they still had a lot of things that they do that were mostly Japanese, like they had a very formal household that they had to address their elders and stuff like that. Uh, due to the events of Pearl Harbor, they this was actually when they started getting pushed out and they had to move um, to these camps, because, especially the West Coast Japanese, um, uh, anyone of Japanese descent had to move to these camps after the events of Pearl Harbor. One of the first things that we noticed was how naive the author was about the events that were about to transpire. So for example, she talks about coming home from church with her brother and they were studying the Bible and trying to memorize for next Sunday. And she states that it was her last carefree morning preoccupied with all the trivial cares and worries of a 16 year old American teenager. It was also the last time I fully believed I was an American. This kind of shows how she was not really aware of all of the issues going on between Japan and the United States. And it also shows how her life was about to completely change on, on her just day-to-day -day life, as Georgia said, and also uh, just her culture and her identity. Another example of this is in the prologue at the very beginning, it states, one sunny day, my brother and I sat on a log floating in front of our home at Shawnee Beach on Fashion Island, Washington. I was four years old and he was six. That day in 1929, as we peacefully rode the gentle tide of Puget Sound, we could not know about the impending tsunami of World War II. Yeah, carrying on from what Drew and Lauren said, there were tons of occurrences, especially during the first and the fourth chapters, where you could definitely see the naiveness of what was going on. I mean, the radio stations, of course, actually were, you would think that they would put on like what was happening between the uh, Japanese and what was happening between the Americans, but act they just showed a bunch of childhood um, radio shows. So this is w one of the good examples that, oh, of course, they had no idea what was going on because what they're feeding and what they're listening through is just like cartoon and stuff like that over the radio nothing concerning the war or anything yeah and i think that the radio becomes a very important motif, i suppose in the story because we see it again when the fbi agents come and they see this radio and it kind of shows how they assume that they're spies because they can connect through the radio, which is totally absurd considering so many people had radios at the time. But it was just another excuse to attack the Japanese. For yeah, sure. I agree. And um, 
in one of the chapters, I'm not sure which one specifically, but it said that when um, her brother first got the radio, um, she always wanted to like listen to it. And eventually like the radio, she said almost became like a person, like a part of their family. And at first it was just something for them to like entertain themselves and listen to stories. But then it's just something that really evolves throughout the story. Yeah, for sure. I The radio is definitely something that keeps, it's like a little thing that they keep in this story just to constantly remind us about um, how they were treated. I think another big theme or reoccurring thing that we saw was as time went on, um, especially when they got their evacuation orders in chapter three, fear started coming in and so did regret. Um, Obviously, they when they heard about these orders and how the Japanese were doing these terrible things, such as bombing, uh, they obviously were treated or treated differently in their community, at least looked at differently, even though that people didn't try to show it, just like they wanted to be treated normally. Um, they, they did have some sort of thing going on where they were treated a lot differently, so that's what kind of comes in, that fear sort of comes in as time goes on. Yeah, there was an example of them, the neighbors were at, actually seemed pretty nice. They, I, I think it was important that they had good relationships with their neighbors and the other people in their community. And the narrator's teacher actually asked her how she was doing, which I think was really nice considering how like the tension between everyone at that time um yeah so i think that was very important just showing how even though that there was so much tension that community was still not broken yeah i feel like um at first when everything started to happen with like the bombing of pearl harbor people like in their community <laughs> excuse me in their community were um really loving and kind towards them, even though there was so much fear going on in their minds and among all of the Japanese people and just everyone in general in America. And um, I feel like as things started to progress, I feel like people's opinions about them started to change and they started to like withdraw, I guess, from the Japanese community, unfortunately. and. I also remember that um, her mom telling her that it's more important what other people think of you than what you think of yourself. Yeah, uh, if we look at chapter three um, and the evacuation orders just before everything uh, sort of went downhill, this was when uh, they wanted to be treated normally and things. And then um, one of their close uh Japanese friends said that they came to search our place and questioned about things and such as that. Uh, if we look and if they saw the what the exact text is, get rid of anything that can incriminate you, anything that can tie you too closely to Japan, that's what they're looking for. And if they find anything, they might take your husband and send him off somewhere for uh, far away or some other terrible thing. So we can kind of see here as time progressed, they kind of lost the naiveness and it started come, tying in fear into this uh, book. 
just like when the FBI agents actually came into the house. Um, and this is when they had to burn everything that was tying them to Japan, such as like dolls and CDs and books and whatnot that um, could sort of show that they had any type of Japanese heritage whatsoever. Yeah, and I think that experience for the author, it seems like it was a very painful memory. Just remembering, I mean, she explains how she was in tears, like just throwing all of these precious things that they grew up with and memories like photographs, they were just burning them just for protection. And later she does say that she thinks that these, the decision to put all these things in the fire was a bit rash because they were destroying their mementos, but it was an act out of understandable panic, I think. I agree. And it was really heartbreaking to read about that because like you said, it sounded so like the author, the way she described it, like it was like her heart was like getting broken. Like she held on to that one last doll that she loved so much and she threw it in the fire to burn it. And she says that like tears were streaming down her cheeks and it was really heartbreaking to read about. Yeah, especially if we look in the book on page 62, um, after we had all, uh, after we have all have done to protect ourselves, nothing has changed. My hair was still coarse, straight and black. My skin was yellow and my bespectacled eyes were small and slanted. We tried to erase our Japanese heritage by destroying all these precious things, but we couldn't escape the way we looked. Nothing would change that. And in the end, all that mattered to the United States government was what we looked like. This is like a really big part of the story because even though like they destroyed all the Japanese stuff, they didn't have to because in the end, like uh, unless they did something where they changed how they looked completely, they were still Japanese at the end of the day, and that was all that was going to matter, um, especially during the course of this book. Yeah, and I think that kind of shows how another theme of regretting who they were and just questioning their identity in general. They were definitely questioning their identity. This happened throughout the story uh, a lot of times, especially the narrator, because we can't hear the other um, the family's opinions, of course, in this. Um, but she was like, why do I even need to be Japanese? You know, if my family wasn't Japanese, would anything be different? Would I be treated differently? Uh, these, this narrator continually like questioned, um, uh, things like if I were American, you know, would they treat me this way? I am Japanese American, but does the government even care? So I think this was a big part in the story. And this was definitely when they, she started having regret about what how she looked like and it, how she appeared because if she was you know blonde hair blue eyes she would be treated a lot differently yeah but she in at the end of chapter two on page 19 she says that looking back on it she believes that the wisdom of her heritage her japanese heritage and the strong sense of community enabled them to weather the storm of internment and emerge stronger, which I think is really powerful considering what they had been through, that she now believes that without her Japanese culture, she wouldn't have been able to get through all of those horrific events. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, a lot of the cultural stuff tied in 
and how she had to be brave and stay strong during this. Um, but even if she had that Japanese ancestry, I mean, if we look at the, um, on page 71, we look at the evacuation order. It says Western Defense Command and Fourth Army Wartime Civil Control Administration um, instructions to all persons of Japanese ancestry living in the following area, all that portion of the island of Vashon, state of Washington. Um, this was just the evacuation order that they had to leave because of their Japanese ancestry. It didn't matter if they were Japanese American at all. Um, government instructions listed what evacuee must carry, including bedding, toilet articles, extra clothing, plates, bowls, silverware. No pets of any kind would be permitted. So this was a big game changer for them when they had to evacuate. They had to think about how they were going to uh, save the farm and keep that safe. Yeah, and just um, hearing or reading all about this, about how they had to go to the internment camps and everything that they went through, it just makes me feel so thankful um, where we are in, the, um, in America right now that there's so much less discrimination. Unfortunately, we still, there is still discrimination, but there's so much less of it and that we can make people feel welcome. Yeah, I think it's just different because now we're seeing it more with African-American people rather than Japanese-American. But I think that this kind of division has been around like throughout history. And I also think that's a very, interesting topic because they talk about propaganda and in this book and how they were portraying these Japanese people as like evil like weird people like describing them with like these slanted eyes and looking like monsters which when you look at it kind of as although it's not as extreme this type of propaganda was also used in Nazi Germany which I think is interesting because no one really talks about that in our history about like the negatives of what happened. And I think it's also, it's very important to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we obviously need to address that even though America is the land of the free per se, this was not the land of the free for them. They were not free to be able to even, and they were American. It wasn't like they were, you know, Japanese fully um, and had ties directly to Japan. So if we look at this and compare it to even the Nazi days and how they were, I mean, obviously the camps were not as extreme as um, Nazi camps back then, but it's still a little part of, wow, they were treated a lot differently just because of their heritage, you know? Yeah, and they were broadcasting these false stories in the newspapers and like, describing how Japanese sympathizers in Hawaii cut arrows into the cane fields directing Japanese planes to Pearl Harbor. So just these false stories, I also think is something that we see today. Although even depending on which political party like you lean towards, you can still see like some bias in the news and false news, especially with social media. And I think it's interesting how we really haven't gotten away from that. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, nowadays, like you said, Lauren, um, nowadays it's um, African-Americans. Unfortunately, like this past year, it's been a huge thing. And I honestly can't wait 
for the day when nobody is discriminated against. And yeah, like that stuff, like this stuff is still happening to this day. And it's honestly really sad. And like you said, like the biased opinions, like you hear everyone say like these different news channels and this believe, like this channel believes this and this channel believes this and everything's just so different. And like this, like still the big stories, I feel like that still continues to happen today. Yeah. So to end the podcast, just a little summary of this chapter. This is when they are starting to evacuate the final part where they got their number and they took one final look um, at their home and they went off to go start evacuating with the rest of the Japanese Americans. And that is where we end our chapters. So thank you for listening to our podcast and we will see you back next week.